hey, it's if it's funny one time, it's funny every time. Hello and welcome to Judge Cast. This is episode one hundred and twenty-nine. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two continue to be frequently asked co-hosts. First up, we have Jess Dunks. Hi, uh, this is Jess. And Brian. Pope. Hello. 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 No, let's not do that again. We've done that before. When I said hello, I knew we were about to go into that, and I was like, no, we can't do that again. <laughs> again. Again. All right. I think as everybody might guess, this is going to be our FAQ episode. It's, it's well, a actually release called notes the release episode. notes. Yeah, it's, yeah, sorry. It's This is the release notes episode. These, yeah, these, are, these are not questions, and they are not frequent. <laughs> Well, some of them are if you've been on MTG rules on IRC. Uh, they're predicted questions. Some of them are not predicted. The, the, the FCQ, them. the frequently predicted questions. Yeah. So this is the part where we go over the new rules and the new set, and we do some card-by-card card talk. Not every card, but some cards. Uh, if we hit the $100,000 tier on our Kickstarter, we'll start doing every card. <laughs> Wait. That is a what? true statement. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> we have a Kickstarter? <laughs> <laughs> it has a hundred thousand dollars here. Yes. Yeah, it has a hundred thousand dollars here. All right. If we ever do have a Kickstarter now, we have to add a hundred thousand dollar tier, though. <laughs> right. Just for that. Just as a joke. Just. For just that, as a I joke. guess. What would the hundred thousand tier be? Hundred thousand dollar tier be? I just well, said. I mean, even I mean, realistically, I'd I'd, so, do, I'd do that for fifty thousand. I'd do that for fifty. I was going to say, for a hundred thousand, I'll do whatever you want. I'll podcast from your house. Like I don't care. Like, In your bathtub with a. T- yeah, I, what do you want? Like, whatever like, you want? Yeah, no, not whatever. I mean, there have to be some limits. I'm pretty much whatever at $100,000. There is a price. That's your buyout price? No matter <laughs> pretty what much. Is, you'll do it for $100,000. Well, hold on. you got to remember, it's probably split like three ways, right? So it'd have to be $300,000. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I was saying me getting $33,000 oh, is fine. Wow. You are a cheap date, sir. I mean, I'm I not going to. Uh, I, right? I won't kill a person. But you'll knock but it everything out. up to that. <laughs> I might maim you'll a person. You'll choke him unconscious, but you won't kill him. <laughs> All right. I'll stab so somebody, <laughs> but I won't kill him. <laughs> oh, I'll, man. I'll call 911 right afterwards. It takes a lot more money to not call 911 afterwards. I'm, All I, right. I think no more jokes for the rest of the episode. That probably violates a Kickstarter, like some sort of Kickstarter policy. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I will stab someone for this amount of money. Yeah, they, they, they would not let that fly. Surprisingly, okay. though, Patreon allows it. <laughs> and Indiegogo. Um, all right, new. So what do we have coming up? So a reminder, we talked about this before, but the new Mulligan rule is going to start at the pre-release. So quick summary of the Mulligan rule is basically, if you took a Mulligan at all, then when you decide to keep your hand, you will get to scry one. So this isn't mold a six, scry one. Oh, no, I'm going to mold a five, scry one. It's... Okay, I mold the five. I'm keeping. Now I get to scry one. But that rule will be in effect for the mulligan rule uh, for the pre-release. Obviously, if you keep your hand to seven, you do not get to scry. Uh, Brian, you had a note in here. It's cryptic. Yeah. Uh, so next next episode, uh, we'll probably tell you how uh, how this works with uh, improper draw at start of game. Because you've got those cards that get shuffled back, you know, if you draw too many cards. They get shuffled back in, but if you've already taken your mulligan, what happens to the mulligan card? Next episode. It's a teaser for next episode, man. Oh, good. We're not in 
beginning this episode. Yeah. And we're teasing next episode. We are. We're looking at We have started the episode, sort of. So um, let me ask you a question, CJ. And you may have said this already, but when can I start doing this? Is this a pre-release thing? Yep. At the pre-release. Okay. So so most changes happen at the release of sets, but this one actually starts at the pre-release. Yeah. Although when you think about most rules changes happen at the pre-release. They just haven't been published yet. (laughs) Yeah, they just haven't been published yet. Otherwise, you'd get these cards with Devoid, and you'd be like, "I what is this? What The CR has no words for this. Right. I have no words. There are no words. <laughs> I guess it doesn't work. So, hey, speaking of Devoid. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of Devoid, that was a segue. Um, Devoid is pretty sweet. It was on our spoiler card. It is. Yeah. It, it means this card has no color. And this is, we mentioned in the spoiler episode, has a lot to do with the lack of a color indicator. So there has to still be this characteristic defining ability, right? So uh, Devoid is just that. It's an ability that means this card has no color. It's true in all zones and even outside the game, since it's it's uh, it's, it's basically a CDA. Uh, if something gave Devoid a Devoid creature a color, it becomes a new color, which is completely unsurprising. What is a little surprising is that if something removes a Devoid creature's abilities, it remains colorless, which falls in line with all of the color indicators. So that kind of actually makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Falls in line with Painter Servant too. Yeah. If you humility Painter Servant, it's still blue right. or whatever color you need. So the the layer that removes the color is has already happened. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Ed Zachary. So, He's my favorite. To what? <laughs> to uh, one question I've seen on IRC a little bit already, and on Matt Tavak's Tumblr, is um, if you have a devoid creature and all it has is devoid, is it affected by Miragonda Petroglyphs? Because people really care about Miragonda Petroglyphs. Who cares about that card except the, the, in these situations? I do. It's in my morph deck. And, uh, and yeah, the, the creature will not be affected by Mirror God of Petroglyphs. Mirror God of Petroglyphs gives plus two, plus two at all creatures without abilities. So characteristic defining abilities are still abilities. What? What? So any text in the box, in the rules box, that's not flavor text is an ability. Like that's how Mirror God of Petroglyphs works. No one needs to ask about it. Any text, any. That's not rules text. Or reminder text. Or reminder text. Sorry. Yeah, I said that not rules text. I meant reminder text. What about... No, you're supposed to you're supposed to jump in and say no, not even that. No, not even okay. that. <laughs> what about Yeah, that one's fine. Oh okay. Ingest? Well I was gonna say Transguild Courier, but okay, moving on in jest. Transguild Courier has a color indicator. Yep. But does it have does it have an ability now? No, it no. has a color Yeah, it is affected by Mirror Okay, there we go. No Thank you. Okay. Um ingest. Uh, so ingest is an ability that uh, is on a lot of the new Eldrazi creatures, and what it means is it is uh, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top card of his or her library. Um, so it does stack. So if a creature somehow has uh, ingest ingest. Um, then it will you'll and it hits uh you'll exile two cards uh you'll exile yeah. one and then the other they are separate triggers so you will do one it resolves and the you will do the other and it will resolve um the card and yes. and that's not possible to do right now but i figured maybe it will be next set who knows yeah um so 
the other thing is the cards are exiled face up. Um, that's the kind of, so everybody gets to see what the cards are. Uh, and then, uh, if you, if this ability resolves and you have no cards in your library or you exile the last card in your library, that doesn't actually mean you lose the game. Okay. Like having no cards in your library or milling when there's no cards in your library, that's not the condition. That's not the state-based action to lose the game. You actually have to try and draw a card from a library that has no cards to to lose the game. So you got a little bit of time. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, some other things I want to point out is this is combat damage. This is not just plain old damage. Okay? Um, and when I said I had some things, some other things to point out, I lied because that was the only extra thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm going to talk about processors. So the processors, it's not a mechanic, but there is a, a bunch of creatures that all have the creature type of Eldrazi processor. Uh, so far, no ally processors, but we'll see. Um, How about, and, there, are there any GE processors? No, there's no GE, no Intel processors. Just Eldrazi right now. Food. So let, let me read one right here. Uh, Wasteland Strangler, two and a black creature, Eldrazi processor. It's a 3-2 with Devoid, and it says, When Wasteland Strangler enters the battlefield, you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. If you do, target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. So all of the processors, they do something where they'll take a card from exile and put it into the player's graveyard. I think it's always the opponent, and we'll read a few more processor cards later on. But I want to talk a little bit about doing that, because that's kind of new. It's it's pretty rare that we get to take cards from exile and put them back into a graveyard. Obviously, somebody's going to be like, well, what about that one card that does literally that? Yeah, sure, <laughs> that exists. But it's pretty rare, because there's one card that does it. Um, hmm. Void Maw! So, void Maw! What is Void It's a card that puts cards from exile into graveyards. Huh. All right. So, when this... Uh, Trigger resolve. Say that you're trying to put a card from exile uh, into a graveyard, and something like Anafenza is out, or Leyline of the Void. Something that says that if a if a card would go to a graveyard, exile it instead. Leyline of the was it the Void? Yeah, I literally just oh, said. Yeah, that. he did. <laughs> okay. Um, That's usually my job. Uh, yeah, to like, just repeat what I just yeah, said. Yeah, to be to be like. Oh, also, this thing that I clearly hey, wasn't listening to. He's, no, he said, I'm not going to explain myself to you guys. <laughs> I'm better than that. I'm Brian I, I am Brian, and I am above no, these. No, Brian Page. Oh. I don't have to listen to this. Yeah, that's right. I remember what? the name. Uh, what? I want to swear and make you edit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so if you choose to process i think that's going to be the colloquial term for this process a card so take it from exile put it in the graveyard and there's an effect out like leyline of the void the cards will go from exile right back into exile and they will become a new object i know that sounds a little bit weird but it works and it still counts for the for example wasteland struggler shangler says you know process if you do target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn it still counts for the if you do the if you do is basically saying, it says you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. If you do means I am choosing to do this may ability. Since I chose to do the may ability, I don't really care where the exile card actually goes. I still get to give target creature my three, my three into it. Yeah, so, so I checked the yes box, and it doesn't matter what happens after that. 
The fact that I checked the X yes box is all the all all that matters. You almost said Xbox. I said yes all box. Right. You almost said Xbox though. So note that this choice of the exiled card doesn't actually target. So if somebody flashes in another Wasteland Strangler, well, you can't take your own cards out of exile. But if somebody's trying to do something where they get that card out of exile and there's still more cards in exile, you, exile. See, I said exile. Exile you can take. Uh, you still can because you're not. You just choose the card you're going to put back when this ability the resolves. Truth is out there. The truth is out there. I want to believe. So can we just call this the Xbox ability? I mean, Xbox I, sure. Xboxes have processors. Yeah, I mean, they do. Can. I'm gonna Xbox that card. Is it gonna? Is it gonna? <laughs> and then, and then, if someone like gets rid of that card, do you get the red ring of death? Or the... <sighs> I'm a PlayStation right. Four guy. I got no love for the Xbox. So let's talk about face down cards in Exile. So uh, one thing is, don't confuse these with morphs, right? If somebody sorts the plowshare as a face down morph creature, it's going to go to Exile face up. You can't put a face down morph in Exile continue to be face down uh but there are some things that put cards in exile face down and they all explicitly say face exile face yeah. down yep um so one thing if there are cards face down in exile you're not allowed to look at them so you can't be like well what's that one exile face down card and then i'll decide if that's the one i want to process nope you just gotta go in blind so here's uh where things get a little weird and i'm gonna be honest this rule was new to me all right so if you want to process a face-down card, what you do is you look at all the cards that were exiled with that face-down card. So say there's a card, an older card card, Duplicity, which I think helps show this. And Duplicity says, when Duplicity enters the battlefield, exile the top five cards of your library face-down. It has other text, but it's not important. And then say a player plays another Duplicity. All right, so that means they have two piles of five face-down cards, and you want to process one of those cards what you do is you choose one of those two piles and then you exile or I'm sorry, you put in the graveyard one card at random from one of those two piles. So you choose the pile, then put one card at random from that pile. That's really weird. I don't think it can come up in this set. Most cards like Clone Shell or the Hideaway Lands, they only exile one card face down. I think the, uh, the, the example would have been a lot easier if you just used Grimoire Thief. The Grimoire Thief, whatever it becomes down, it removes, it, it, it exiles three cards face down from the opponent's library. Oh, yeah, that did do. <laughs> so, so you'd have but, to keep yeah. three separate in this case, which is really weird. So that's for the real rules nerds out there. Yeah, multiple piles of face down and you're playing a process. Yeah, but in general, if something has just exiled one single card face down, you can just be like, that one, I'm going to process that one. So feel free in the future to send us in questions about how this interacts with whatever card. No, uh, generally, no, don't feel free. Don't tell them that. Generally with imprint, that's the one I expect to see all the time. But honestly, for the most part, it just makes whatever had imprint stop working. So what's the mox? Which mox has imprint? Chrome, uh, Chrome mox? Yeah, Chrome mox. Chrome mox, yeah, yeah. So like if something's exiled with Chrome mox and you process the exiled card... Chromox can no longer make mana, and so on and so forth. Like, that's basically how these cards work. If you take what Duplicant exiled, Duplicant is now a 2-4. Shapeshifter. Shapeshifter. <laughs> so, that's how most of them work, but if you have any specific questions, you can send them our way, because I expect to see a lot of questions about What if I... What if 
a split card is exiled, can I only process half of it? No. <laughs> if it's actually, no. I mean, you choose half of it. <laughs> right. You choose half Carry of it and then you do it for the whole thing. Like, that's. I think that's been processed. Okay. So, uh, the next thing we have is Eldrazi Scions. Scions? Why are they not calling them Eldrazi Spawn again? Like, it's the same thing, right? Because they're 1-1s. One ones. One ones. Oh, because they're 1-1s and not 0-1s. They're yeah. bigger. Right. They're bigger, and therefore they're Scions and not Spawns, even though they're, that means basically the same thing. Yes. What? Well, apparently Scion means one bigger. <laughs> Scion is Spawn plus one. Uh, yeah. So, got it. Okay. Um, so, Eldrazi Scions are tokens that you can get through various means that are 1-1 one, one creatures that have an ability and that ability is sacrifice this creature add one to your mana pool their types and names are eldrazi scion uh this ability is a mana ability so it can't be responded to um it's not uh it's never good to like bioblight this creature or something like that because it'll just get sacrificed in response um now these don't have devoid right they're just colorless yeah, they're just natural. Okay, colors. so so these do not have to void if it comes up somehow for some reason. I don't know how. Um, and players can block with them and then sacrifice them. Um, what you cannot do is uh, sacrifice them and then tap them for convoke. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Which is the thing that's probably going to come up with Court of Calling or whatever at some point. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Um, since, since that's still a thing. Um. Does anybody have any other comments about this? I, I feel these are pretty straightforward things. They're just colorless tokens that are one ones that make mana. Yeah, I think we're going to see that Bio Blight question. Um, but since Bio Blight only has one target, and if you try to... Because I remember seeing this with Maelstrom Pulse, to be 100% honest. That's why I remember mm -hmm. this. Um, Bio Blight only has one target, so if you Bio Blight an Eldrazi Spawn, Scion, then what, people, what smart people will do is sacrifice the Scion, and then Bio Blight's only target will become illegal, and the whole spell will get countered, and they didn't just wipe the board of your Scions, unfortunately. Yeah, understanding how this whole targeting thing works is very important. I, I, I Probably the thing I see people mess up most, especially in formats like Modern, is how targeting things works. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you, if you want to play Magic, especially any competitive Magic, this is, it's a very important thing to understand. All right. Uh, the next uh, genre of cards we're going to talk about are cards that have uh, when you cast triggers or whenever you cast uh, triggers. So this is a series of triggers that appear on multiple cards that say uh, whenever whenever you cast blah or when you cast blah, um, some effect happens. Now, this is I want to hear about this. I cast blah all the time. Well, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's also a colorless spell. Uh, it's not very interesting. Uh, <laughs> it makes you kind of sleepy. <laughs> Sounds um, like Blah's actually just like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, he's like after. It's kind after of flavorless and makes you sleepy. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, the, oh, the cowboys are on. The, uh, now there's cowboys agree. There's one, way, there's one that's whenever you cast a Ulamog. That's a little more exciting. It's still like, it's. Like, oh, it's, okay, so um, that one wrecks these, me every time. <laughs> so these these triggers, what they what they do is it is when you cast the card. Now, what that that is not if it's on a creature, 
uh, or a spell that's not when it resolves or when it enters the battlefield. It's when you cast it, which means it is going to happen. That trigger is going to resolve before the creature enters the battlefield or before the the sorcery or, or instant resolves. Also, uh, if you counter the spell that has the when you cast trigger, it doesn't stop the trigger. So if I have if I cast Ulamog and get the get the snazzy trigger, and somehow Ulamog gets countered, uh, you're still gonna get you're still gonna get his fancy trigger. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I could just say that in a way where you don't actually say which Ulamog. Well, it's Ulam. It's just a fancy trigger. It's just you know it's gonna be a fancy trigger. It is. You just cast Ulamog. They're all fancy triggers. All right. So for some reason, I have the two longest ones. So. That was a mistake. All right, let's talk about Awaken. You gave yourself these. You did I know what I did. I did. Well, obviously, I just alternate <laughs> this names. This is your fault. Yeah. I don't look that far ahead. And then I give Brian all the really bad cards is what I do. All right, so let's talk about Awaken, which is a new mechanic. So a card with Awaken uh, is sheer drop, two and a white, sorcery, destroy target, tapped creature, and then it has Awaken three, and then next to that is a cost of five and a white. So what does that mean? Well, it's two abilities, really. First one lets you cast a spell for the Awakened cost. So the Awakened cost in this for this card is five and a white. That's an alternate cost. We'll be touching up on that a lot more throughout this podcast. The second part of the ability means that if you cast it for its Awakened cost, then you put X plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a 0-0 elemental creature, and it gains haste. It's still a land. So in this case, it says Awaken 3. That means you're going to put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on a land you control if you cast it for your It's Awaken cost. Uh, do note that the land gains haste. This is to get around issues where you just played the land, and then you awaken it, and you know people want to call a judge. Because obviously, in, in real magic, most of the time, you just want to target a land you already had out, but sometimes... And particularly on MTGO, it can be tough. So On MTGO, and also, again, with the competitive magic thing, a lot of players are going to try and call a judge and say, judge, you trying to attack with that mountain yeah. you just played. Yeah. Uh, Not that mountain. Uh, it was that mountain. It was clearly right. the the mountain with the arc and the, the rocks flying as opposed to the other. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was the mountain with the giant circle on it. It was... Yeah, that, we don't want that argument. That argument sucks. <laughs> so you just give the land haste, and then we don't have to worry about it. So, since Awaken is an alternate cost, if you're casting this spell for free, which is also an alternate cost, you don't get to Awaken. What? In order... Yeah. In order to cast a spell for its Awaken cost, all targets must be legal. So, generally, you, you'll be able to target one of your lands. So it'll be pretty rare where you can't do that. But, like for this one, it says destroy target tapped creature. Well, if there are no tapped creatures on the board, then you can't cast Sheer Drop because you don't have legal targets for all of the spell so you can't just try to get a creature real quick uh everything must be legal so something i think it's going to come up and we'll talk about a couple examples of this later too is um if the awaken card ends up with multiple targets so like sheer drop targets a creature and a land if you cast it for its awaken cost and one of the targets becomes illegal the card will still do as much as it can so let's say you destroy target tap creature and it's a scion for some reason and you're also awakening, and they sacrifice the Scion, well, the card's still going to do as much as it can, so it's going to make one of your lands into a 3-3 three, three or, or greater. And then something to really look out, though, for is if the Awaken card normally would have no targets, 
and you cast it for its awaken cost, well, then you've just taken a spell that has no targets and made it have one target. So if that land is somehow destroyed in response, the entire spell will be countered. So an example is Rising Miasma, which says, its sorcery says, all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn, and has awakened three for five black, black. Um, you know, if you cast this for its awaken cost and somebody destroys your land in response, well, you're going to be kind of in trouble there because the whole spell is going to get countered because now it has no legal targets. You can awaken already awakened lands in case you ever want to do that. And that's that's the kind of situation I think that could put you at risk in this is you already have an awakened land. You target it again with another awakened card. Well, now it's a creature. It's a lot easier for someone to kill at instant speed. Maybe they just kill it. Can, quick. can we make the past tense of like you can already aw- you can awaken an already awakened land? Can we can we say awoken? Yes. I mean, we are the the uh, trailblazers yeah. for bestowaways. You can you can awaken an already awoken. You can awaken an awoken yeah. land. Yep. Right. Cool. Uh, one thing to note is in most cases, the land is colorless and there are cards that care about how many colorless creatures you have. So. It is, it is an elemental, so Omnath Locus of Rage cares about that. Yep. And the land is still a land and maintains all the abilities it had as a land, so it can still tap for mana and all and that. And it that might still stuff. continue to burn. It may oh, still God. continue to burn. Uh, speaking of terrible cards from the Zendikar block, um, <laughs> so one of the things, this is really interesting with Dryad Arbor, in that you can awaken Dryad Arbor and it becomes a 0-0. Zero, zero. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's a one, one French on the card and it's got all these counters, but it's actually one less than it looks like because it's a zero, zero and not a one, one, but it, you could awkwardly give your Dryad Arbor haste. This is just weird with Dryad Arbor. <laughs> I think there's a lot, there's a lot of cards that are just weird with Dryad Arbor, right? Yeah, that's true. But we're going to touch on the Manlands later too. And we'll talk about how they interact with Awaken, which is interesting. That's actually kind of awesome. I, yeah. I hadn't considered that until you just said it, and it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice. It is. <laughs> noise. Noise! All right. Let's rally on. Rally! Rally is an ability word from this set. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh... Basically, it means whenever this or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, do something. All right. Uh, all of these abilities affect your creature... Uh, that affect your creatures will affect all of your creatures, not just allies. So if something says this, you know, rally your creatures get something, then it applies to all of them, not just the allies. Um, so if you have multiple uh, rally creatures entering at the same time, they'll all see each other, enter, and trigger appropriately, much like Valakut or what is it now in standard cleric of the forward order and all that. Um, yeah. So this is this looks like it would be a lot of fun with the new Gideon that makes knight ally tokens and becomes an ally. Um, so I, I I hope that we can do something with that. I hope allies becomes a thing to like in modern. You've got a, 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 an actual good ally deck that could happen. We'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see if that happens or not. I, I like the fact that uh, rally has to do with allies and it's really just adding a letter. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Anyway, that's that's all I've got on that. Does anybody else have anything on that ability? Man, you just um, spent like forever you... on Awaken and Well, Awaken's way longer. <laughs> Rally's just an ability word. It doesn't even mean anything. You could remove it and the game would still be the exact same. 
just the one thing to note is if you do have a ton of rally creatures or ally creatures or a mix thereof enter at the same time you get to choose the order the triggers will resolve and if if they are all triggered some some of them have other types of abilities but most of them are most of them are triggers and they give all your creatures lifelink or something like that redundant triggers for the win yeah all right so uh let's let's talk about converge um so i'm really happy that that this is back i had a pair of canvas high tops when i was a kid and... i was about to interrupt you to make a joke about converse so <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> so no no we're talking about converge not converse <laughs> oh all right oh. so so con- uh converge is um an ability word um, so you can remove it and it does the exact same, uh, the cards still behave the same. Typically they are, it is an ability word that links to an ability that cares about the number of colors of mana you spent to cast the spell. So it's so, Sunburst. Sort of like Sunburst, only does a little bit more, maybe not quite as lame. Um, so an example of this is Radiant Flames. 2R, uh, Sorcery, Radiant Flame deals X damage to each creature, where X is the number of colors of mana spent to cast Radiant Flame. So if you spent uh, what's uh, your Mardu colors, uh, you would do 3 damage to each creature. Uh, or if you were playing Mono Red, you would only be doing 1. A colorless <laughs> is not a color. So is Devoid a color? Devoid is not a color. Is purple a color? Uh, well, I mean, it, it is, but not in <laughs> magic terms. Can I can I tap a land for purple? Um, it's your no. kitchen table, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, some things about uh, converge. Uh, you can't choose to pay more mana than this the, uh, for a spell than the cost. So, in our radiant flames, you can't say, "Well, I'm playing five colors. I'm just gonna tap all five colors and 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 cast my radiant flame for five. No, can't you can't overpay. Um, if you cast the spell for free, uh, the card's not going to do any damage because you didn't spend any mana on it. It is free. Also, if you copy Radiant Flames, well, how much mana did you spend to pay for that, to cast that copy? None. So that copy's not going to do anything. So, uh, the old, good old question of, well, what happens if I, sp- uh, use Pyromancer Goggles, uh, to cast Radiant Flames? Well, you're going to get a copy of Radiant Flames, and that that copy isn't going to do anything. Um, let's see here. If something is increasing the cost of the spell, like Thalia, then you can spend more. So Thalia makes things cost one more. Well, now I can spend uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, what are those four color legendary creatures from uh, from Ravnica? Uh, th- 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 you know what I mean. I don't. I do know. It's. I know what you mean. It's the. It's the. Not valid. That's the only thing that's coming out of my brain. Right now. It's the one because people always complain that they're not legendary. Yeah. Like, I want my four color commander. Yeah. Nephilim. Nef- Nephilim. There you go. Yeah. You 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 pay your Nephilim now because you got Thalia. You can you can choose a Nephilim and cast, uh, cast it and get for four. Um, also, uh, if for some reason you have a Fist of the Suns out which makes everything you cast cost Wooburg, uh, that would make your Radiant Flame steal five. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I mean, from a rule standpoint. So, uh, 
at the at the most um on any spell you're only going to be able to converge for uh for five colors that's max uh snow mana is not a color phyrexian mana is not an additional color like they don't count as colors you also can't add phyrexian mana to your mana pool, right so. um so sky uh skyrider skyrider elf is another example uh for x green and blue uh it is a elf warrior ally it's a zero zero flying with converge and it says it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter uh, for each color of mana spent to cast it. So the example here is well, I can I can pay Wooberg for it and I'm going to get three counters. Uh, I can actually make X anything I want. I can make it ten, twenty, nine, whatever. But I'm probably not going to get more than three counters out of it. <laughs> yeah. So this creature's never more than a five five. Uh, so, um, yep, that's all I got on that. Yeah. You know, one other thing with Awaken is if you have a hardened scales out, it doesn't put an additional counter on because the creature's not a creature. The land is not a creature when it puts a counter on. I made a mistake. I said you're probably not going to get more than three counters on. You're not going to get, you're, you're not going to get get more than five. five. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to have X be greater than three for that card. Oh, right. Yeah. It's funny because it has an X that doesn't actually do anything. Like the X is not referenced. Right, card, it just makes so. it just makes it cost more. Yeah. All right, and the final ability is Landfall is back, but this show was brand new when Landfall first existed. So she's back, back again. Back again. Landfall's back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So we have Gold Draws Overseer, Creature Vampire. Sorry, young people. <laughs> so three, four, five. That sounds like, ten. That sounds how like many ten, years ago? Right. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero oh, until end of turn. If that land is a swap, those creatures get plus two, plus zero until end of turn instead. So, landfall is an ability where it doesn't mean anything, but it will always mean whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, do something. Um, we haven't seen any landfall spells this set like we did in World Wake, I don't think. Where th- those are spells that if a land into the battlefield into your turn that that turn the spells did something a little different. Uh, I think so far we've only seen landfall triggers, but uh, there's a little bit of twist on these. Not not all the landfall abilities look like this, but there are a few that care about what the land was. So that's just a little replacement effect uh, inside the trigger. If it's the land you play was the the in this case the swamp, you get the other ability. Now I think a question we're going to see uh, from judges is why isn't this an intervening if? Because they see a trigger, it has an if in it, and sometimes that's what people think is an intervening if. Um, so this is not an intervening if, because an intervening if trigger is a trigger that's worded such that it's whenever condition, comma, if, I'm sorry, whenever event, comma, if condition, comma, do an action. This doesn't have those commas. I was going to say, could you run that in English for me? <laughs> That's that's how you that's how you spot them. Two commas. Okay. <laughs> whenever an event happens, so whenever Lannish is battlefield under your control, or you know, whenever whatever, at the beginning of your upkeep, whatever. An event happens, then it says if some condition is true, do something. We'll go into a little bit more later on with Felidar Software. But this trigger is not intervening if because it doesn't have that if condition, it just has this little self-replacement effect. So we spend all that time talking about something that doesn't matter right now, but we'll talk about later. (laughs) 
No, I'm just trying to explain why this one is not an oh, okay. intervening game. I, 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 do you really think people are going to think that? I, I don't. Yes. All right. I think I could. I think I can trick. A, I think I could trick an experience level one. I think that's that's the level where you know enough about magic to know that intervening gifts exist, but not enough to know to look for the two commas, like I just said. I think I can maybe, do it. I mean, maybe, just just look at Triumph of Ferocity. That one's easy to get people with. Maybe in Georgia. Maybe everywhere. All right, and same thing I said before. If you have multiple, if you have multiple creatures with land fallout, and you play a land or whatever permanence, um, and there's multiple triggers, you get to order them however you like. So, Brian, sounds like you want to talk about expeditions. Yeah, I just wanted before we moved on to to cards specifically, I, I wanted to talk about one one last you know theme uh, in the set. So, uh, no big secret. Uh, uh, there are going to be these super rare foil, uh, full art land cards uh, called expeditions that are uh, reprints of of some very powerful, popular lands uh, from a subset of Magic's history. Um, and if you open a pack and you get one of these expeditions, they are they are. Again, very rare. They are very foily. And depending on what you're playing, you may be able to use them in your deck. So right now, all indications we get uh, looks like if you get an expedition in your limited pool or if you open it in uh, a, a draft, you you can pick it and play it. Uh, however, uh, these are not cards that are limit that are allowed for standard unless the set that they would normally be in like the non uh the non-expedition version of it was also in standard yeah so like the shock lands are, are part of the expedition lands yeah. but they wouldn't be they wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to play those oh yeah uh sorry you guys didn't hear that but my computer just started making all sorts of weird noises i actually did hear it oh did you well, now it's now it's done, and and <laughs> conveniently, I'm also done with expeditions. Yay! Tucked up when, right, tucked well. up when exploring, and found uh found some mythic foils before he became a rock thing. Tucked up when exploring sounds like an awesome like folk song or something. <laughs> tucked up when exploring. <laughs> All right. Well, now that now the expeditions are covered. I mean, that covers everything, really. I think we can wrap up the show here, right? I agree. <laughs> We're done. We did it. Good job, guys. Easy game. Okay. I'm going to go write a Tuck Tuck song. Yeehaw. The banjo. <laughs> oh, uh, CJ, uh, uh, SCG Atlanta, uh, uh, Atlanta, there is a, a puppetry museum that you have yeah that place is creep okay creep city. i read that it's got <laughs> i read i read two things that means i have to go one they have a, a skexis from the dark crystal yeah well they yeah they but did last time I, went. I read that they actually have emmet otter from emmet otter's jug band christmas maybe and that we we gotta go the okay i don't okay the opening room to that place is just terror personified like it's just puppets everywhere in this room including in the floor there's little glass openings in the floor and they're like on the ceiling and they're just all looking at you it is the worst room but if you want to go i'll go but jess how would you talk about a line hedron network a line hedron network is a card it costs four Whoa. and it is an artifact when a line i think is it a hedron or hedron is it he hedron 
That's right. Max, I've always said Hedron. It's, it's Max Hedron and and Hedron Network. Max Hedron? Yes. Oh, it's a 80s TV. Man, you made a reference he didn't actually I know. get. <laughs> it's, an 80s, it's an 80s TV show, yeah. a, a pop culture figure. It's Max Hedron. I, I don't think of it. I don't... No, I know you know. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know. Anyway, so what have we said about Hedron? Is what we've said a lot? Okay, sure. so when a Lion Hedron network enters the battlefield, exile all creatures with power five or greater until a Lion Hedron network leaves the battlefield. Um, and those creatures return under their owner's control. So if you've taken control of something. I think it's Hedron, like Dodecahedron. I thought we said a Lion Hedron. You can't go back on me like that. Okay. I say Hedron. I say Hedron. It's okay. Like, hey, where did these, um, where did these stones come from? Did Ugin make them? Yeah, he drawn them all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's why awful. am I laughing? That's awful. That's so bad. I love it. All right, so so many cards. Uh, so this ability, uh, much like Ferocious from a previous set, checks power when the ability resolves. So. Uh, when this ability resolves, it's going to look at that moment to see what's power five or greater. So if you make something bigger in response or smaller in response, uh, that is relevant here. Um, if a... Um, yeah, if this it leaves the battlefield before the ability resolves, it doesn't exile any creatures. It's like a duration effect. It's it's and uh, basically until it comes back and... Or sorry, until it leaves. And since it's already left, that duration has ended. Uh, if this is in multiplayer and the owner leaves the game, the exiled cards still come back. And you might go, why wouldn't they? And that's a great question for another time. <laughs> because then for Oblivion Ring, they I don't. I wasn't going to go that's there. The that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm uh, saying. And uh, if AHN, because I don't want to say that word again, uh, <laughs> enters the battlefield as a creature with power greater than five, it will exile itself. And you can loop this. Which is crazy. <laughs> yep. And what happens if it loops? Like you can't stop it. It's like a draw. Oh, it's a draw. The game ends. So, so yeah. all of you people, all of you people out there that have this sick, twisted perversion where you have to end games in infinite loops. Here, I only a... want to do it on MTGO because it's funny. Oh, because it does it like so many, like like a hundred times, and then the game. And then the game just hangs. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that seems like a weird thing to bring to light. Ah. Oh, hey, another weird thing to bring to light is bring to light. Um, it's th uh, three green blue for a sorcery with converge. Uh, yeah. Search your library for a creature, instant, or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast bring to light. Cool. So again normally max of five uh exile that card then shuffle your library then you may cast that card without paying its mana cost so first thing don't go get another converge card with bring to light <laughs> um next that would work poorly yes, yes it would work very poorly um you because you are not paying its mana cost uh if you go get an awaken card you can't awaken off of off of the the card you go get, so don't do that either unless you are really just happy with the with the non awaken effect. Uh, however, if the card requires additional costs, uh, you still can 
uh, or you can still pay those, or and sometimes you have to pay them uh, in the case of things that make you sacrifice a creature as an additional cost. Um, if the card has X in its cost, X is going to be zero. Um, if you don't cast the spell because it says you may cast the card, uh, if you choose not to, it's going to stay exiled. I don't know why you would. I'm sure there's probably some corner cases where you really want that card exiled uh, to use for something else. So your opponent can process it. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's so it's the only card in exile so that you give them your process. (laughs) We're we're stretching here. Um, And then if you do cast uh, cast it and it's a sorcerer instant, it's it's, you know, the card's going to go to the graveyard after resolving. There you go. Cool. Let's talk about the Conduit of Ruin. It's a... Oh, that's it's a creature. <laughs> a creature Eldrazi. It sounds like an artifact to me, right? Uh, it's a 5-5. Five, five. When you cast Conduit of Ruin, you may search your library for a colorless creature card with converted mana cost 7 or greater, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So that seems pretty straightforward. Uh, noted it is a cast trigger, as we see a lot of those in this set. The next ability is more interesting. It says the first creature spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast. So the second ability will only lower colorless mana in the cost. It can't lower colored mana. The second ability also attracts how many creatures you cast in that entire turn, even if the Conduit of Ruin was not already out. So if you play a bear cub for one and a green, then play this, and then you want to play another bear cub, you can't cast it for just a green because you've already cast a creature spell this turn. The conduit knows. It's always watching. If you control two of these, the effect kind of stacks up and makes the first creature spell you cast each turn cost four total less. And so on and so forth. So three, and you get to cast your fourth conduit for free. Oh. If it's the first spell so you cast. If you get a little punch card. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the creature has X in its mana cost, then X will be reduced, um, well, the cost you have to pay for X will be reduced by two. So if, if you were casting that Skybringer Elf we talked about earlier, you would need to set Skybringer Elf's uh, X, you would need to set it to five just so that you could actually pay three mana plus green-blue to make it a five-five. But in general, this is something you actually want to happen. Like, there's, there's an XX for X Eldrazi. Uh, and that's basically all it is. You know, if you have three total mana available, well, you can set X to five and then only pay three mana and you get a five five for the cost of three, which is pretty sweet. And you can't just randomly try to ignore this to try to get more out of a converge creature. If you're, if you're trying to cast a creature with converge, you should cast something else first, then cast the converge creature so that the mana cost isn't reduced. Okay, so that's it for Conduit of Ruin. Jess? Next, we're going to talk about... Drana, Liberator of Malakir, which is, I imagine, the same character as Drana Calastria Bloodchief, which was really good in draft. She is. She was really good. Uh, And she's still good. Yeah, this card is one BB for cost. It's a legendary creature vampire ally, which is new. Uh, She's a 2-3 with flying and first strike, and whenever Drana, Liberator of Malakir, deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. Um, I mean, her ability triggers before regular combat damage is dealt, so that's really sweet. Other than that, there's not a whole lot to talk about about this card. I feel like this is pretty straightforward. Um, the fact that it has first strike makes this ability awesome. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, like, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've been on pre-releases and 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 particularly actually back in Zendikar when the the bloodied mechanic existed, uh, people didn't understand that the first strike damage actually happens before regular combat damage. So this trigger will you trigger the, and resolve. The bloodied mechanic. Yeah, the ten life or less. I did never heard it called that. That is um, a. I, I like that name. It's that, but I've never heard. Yeah, that I think it's a D and D term. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so bloodied mechanic, like. Yeah, I remember I had to tell my opponent because I swung with a 2-2, or they swung at me with a, a Vampire Lacerator, which has First Strike, and then some other guys, and I was at 12. I had to tell them, I'm actually taking a lot more damage from these other guys because I'm taking two First Strike damage. I go to 10. All the other guys get a lot bigger. Drying up kind of reminds me of the same thing. Now, this does have one interesting thing. Um, that is, this gets really awkward if you forget your trigger. As we've talked about a lot of times with this with this mistriggers thing at pre-releases yeah we're just going to put the trigger on the stack however if we do this and we're no longer attacking there aren't any attacking creatures to put counters on yeah so so if you forget this and we move past the combat step it's just gone there's not anything we can do about it yeah yeah well that's that's bad it sounds it sounds like it sounds like like if that if that happens you might feel real bad and need some hugs but you can't. Oh, I'm so, you can't hug your sorry. children with earthen arms. Sure. Wow. I'm so glad it says creature you control. Yes, because otherwise it gets I real was like, awkward. The I next was like, oh, right? that'd be so awkward. Okay, sorry. Back to earthen arms. I'm sorry, Brian. Okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so the next card is earthen arms. Uh, for one and a green, it's a sorcery. Put two plus one plus one counters on target permanent. Okay. It also has awaken four of six and a green. Uh, so as Awaken 4, you're going to uh, be able to put 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on target land, and it's going to become a zero zero dude. Um, so because you're putting uh, – it says put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on target permanent, um, you can target any old permanent, uh, an enchantment, an artifact, oh, that land you're going to awaken. Gideon. Gideon. You know, uh, you know uh, your Eldrazi Scion token. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, so, uh, so the the counters aren't going to do anything until it becomes a creature. Okay, so you can you can actually cast Earth and Arms on oh your your creature land or whatever, and it's not a creature yet. Those counters are just going to sit there, and then when it becomes a creature, it gets the buff. Rawr. Um, now, uh, so if you choose Awaken, the land can be the target. Uh, of both targets, and this is because uh, I have two instances of the word target, and so if I had if I had a, a spell that said you know uh, target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn period target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn period I can target the same creature uh, with each of those abilities. So yeah, yep. So. Yay, earthen arms. Apparently, you can hug your children with earthen arms. Yeah. Yeah. And your tree. And your tree. Or your swamp. I mean, you can hug your swamp. Yeah. It might get you... Yeah. Emiria Shepherd. Five white, white. She's an angel. Four, four, flying, landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. If that land is a plains, you may return that non-land permanent card to the battlefield instead. So this is our obligatory card that can return auras straight to the battlefield. And as such, we have to talk about what happens there. If you choose to return an aura 
straight to the battlefield like this, it doesn't target anything. What that means is it comes onto the battlefield and it just comes on attached to whatever you choose it, it to be attached to. Um, this can get a little weird because because it's not targeting, you can get around something like Hexproof on your opponent's creature this way. Uh, I, I don't know if there's any Hexproof creatures in this set, but it's, it's something you're able to do. Uh, now, that doesn't let you put it on anything that it couldn't legally enchant. So, particularly... Once again, protection's kind of fading away, so we had to we get to stop talking about this soon. But for this one, I'll still talk about it. If something had protection from white and the aura you're bringing back as a pacifism, you can't attach it to that creature. Brian, I see you have a flavor. Yeah, question. I do, I do have a question. Oh, okay, so this is Amir, uh, Amiria Shepherd. So Amiria yes. is one of the deities in Zendikar, right? Yes. Okay, but as we learned in the last time we went to Zendikar, like Cozy and Ula and Amiria were really just Ulamog and 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 his bros. Um, how can we still have angels of a god who has been proven to be something else? like? Why isn't this an Eldrazi? So, I will tell you why. I knew you'd have an That's answer because... for this. So Emiria is also the name of an area. This shepherd is from Emiria. Remember the card Emiria the Skyrune? Yes. The, that's the name of the area. But isn't isn't like Emiria also like the one of the deities? Yes. Okay, but this is an angel, right? Who's it an angel? I mean, whose angel is it? The, the angel is from Emiria. Okay. From the area. Okay, so it's not like an angel of a deity anymore. It's just it's just the angel I, of a of a place. I own a shield of Emiria. Was not shielding Emrakul. Iona was shielding was like, the area of Emiria. It was like their deity, right? But the deity didn't exist. It's, it, it's like if the United States of America was also named God. And if you're like, I'm from God, it doesn't mean I'm from. Well, I think you just summed up our foreign <laughs> policy, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I shouldn't be I laughing what we, so hard at that. What, what we do is uh, we just exert influence on other countries. <laughs> They're just confused the whole time. He's like, no, 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 no. Not God, but God, see? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Man, separation of church and state would be so hard. Go, go ahead, Jess. All right. So I know you tried to segue into this, but the next card I did. is exert influence. <laughs> it's four and a blue it's a sorcery uh, it has converge gain control of target creature if its power is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast exert influence so uh, if the power of this creature goes up before the spell resolves the spell is going to be countered because the target won't be legal uh, after the spell resolves it doesn't matter if the power goes up that's fine the control effect will not end at that point and it doesn't end ever. This does not say until end of turn because it's a blue card and not a red card. <laughs> yeah, there is a red steal until end of turn spell, but I didn't think it was particularly interesting. It has devoid, I think. Who yeah, the only thing it's an instant. Woo! <sighs> so you can. Do steal. you know red, red always gets those? Like the this is the same red card you've seen in every set, but with the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time. Last time we got one that made a spawn token. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's in uh, in in. Scars of Mirrodin, or, or uh, one of the uh, new Phyrexia, we had the Phyrexian mana instant speed one, and like 
yeah. constantly. All right, Brian, tell well, us about everyone's favorite cat. Well, beast. I was gonna, I was gonna say with the with the red instant speed thing, you could actually steal their uh, their Gideon when it animates to attack. Is it really instant speed? The one in this set? No, no, no. The one from from the one from New Phyrexia was, and and the way it was actually like reasonably played is is because you could play it in off red sets because or off red colors because it was it was Phyrexian mana, so you'd right. play it to steal the Zebra Exarchs. I thought I thought there was a I thought there was a color uh, a, a red instant gain control that had devoid in this set. I'm checking right now. Oh my gosh, it is instant. Ooh, okay, so that actually is worth talking about, about. Being interesting. Yeah, actually, the instant ones are interesting. So actually, we'll talk about it for just a second. So this is a judge guess. Uh, the... CJ is talking about something he didn't include in the show notes. <laughs> oh please. <laughs> yeah, because I included. Um, whatever we talked about at the start of this episode in the show notes. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was off topic. So that card's called Turn Against. It's four and a red. It's, it has Devoid. It's an instant. It says Gain Control, Target Creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So what's interesting about these instant speed ones is that, yeah, obviously you can use it for the old-fashioned Gain Control your opponent's creature and attack them with it. But they're also actually really powerful because if your opponent's attacking you, you can gain control of their best creature until end of turn, and then use that creature to block. As long as you do that and they declare attacker step, you uh, can grab their creature and use it to block. So that's about all there is to say there, though. All right. So uh, we will talk about uh, CJ. This is this is a cat beast. So which which of your yeah. cats would this be? Um, Felidar Sovereign would be. Well, it looks like Bitty Kitty. Okay. So I guess. Okay. Bitty so Bitty Kitty is four white white. For a four-six cat beast with vigilance and lifelink, um, with the ability at the beginning of your upkeep, comma, if you have forty or more life, <laughs> comma, comma, you win the action. action. You win the game. This is a this. First off, this is a repeat a reprint. Uh, we saw this previously uh, in Zendikar last time. So uh, the cat beast has been around. Bitty Kitty just won't die. Been around forever. Yep. Um, so what this means? Yes, that is milkshake. Okay, well, I mean, it's, it's, seventeen empowering. I on. mean, it's a four-six. So it's a combination of all them cats. So sure. uh, what this <laughs> what this means is what this means is um, so at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have forty or more life, the trigger is going to go on the stack. Then, because it's an intervening if clause, when it goes to resolve, it's going to check again to see if you have 40 or more life. Okay, so it has to be true when you start to put it on the stack, and it has to be true when it goes to resolve in order for you to get the effect. So, if it goes on the stack, and then someone lightning bolts you, or or whatever, uh, casts a spell with Molten Nursery in play, and you take one point, <laughs> and you lose a, uh, you take a point of damage, so you lose a life, and you go down to 39, uh, you're not going to win the game. Yeah. But what if I have Healing Solve in hand and I want to cast it in my upkeep? So I need my lands to become untapped. Well, so your lands become untapped and okay. during untap and then we go into upkeep. And the first thing that happens in upkeep is all them pesky little triggers that are waiting to go on the stack, go on the stack. So if you have Healing Salve in your hand and you are at, old oh, 39 life, um, well... You, you need to just sit on that mana and wait until the end of your opponent's next turn in order to cast it so that you can have 40 or more life at the beginning of your upkeep. Oh. Uh, All right, let's talk about the Gideon. And you need to not play with healing style cards bad. Sorry. 
real bad. Gideon, ally of Zendikar. He's two white white. Planeswalker Gideon, of course. He has four starting loyalty. His plus one. Until end of turn, Gideon, ally of Zendikar, becomes a 5-5 human soldier ally creature with indestructible that's still a Planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. Note he's indestructible. I feel like they made a mistake when they didn't make the very first Gideon indestructible. Because I have Doombladed many a Gideon of the first of the first wave. He's still probably be- better than any of the other Gideons so far. Yeah. For zero, you can put a 2-2 white knight ally creature token onto the battlefield. And for minus four, you get an emblem with creatures you control. Get plus one, plus one. So you can quote unquote ultimate him the moment he comes out. But I, it's a really expensive anthem. Alright, so, if you were to play Gideon and plus one him on that same turn, you can't attack because he is affected by summoning sickness. He has just entered the battlefield under your control. Him becoming an ally through the plus one ability is not the same as an ally entering the battlefield, so he won't trigger rally or anything like that. You use a zero ability for triggering rally. Since he's Gideon, we always have to talk about this same thing every time Gideon comes up. He remains a Planeswalker, and he has all damage prevented to him. What that means is that if something happens like Skullcrack, which allows uh, that says that damage can't be prevented this turn, uh, and he takes damage somehow, say in combat, then we're going to go through the normal process that both creatures and Planeswalkers have when they take damage. So say he's blocked by a Bear Cub. He'll have two damage marked on him, and we'll remove two loyalty counters so if that's enough to if he only has two loyalty counters then he'll die indestructible doesn't protect from that and then i already mentioned the second ability triggers rally and also any knight cards that care about other knights entering which i don't know if they exist it's a lonely world for knights i was cleaning out my refrigerator earlier and i had some oblivion in there but i smelled it and i think it went sour (laughs) (laughs) you you have some oblivion in your in your refrigerator yeah, who but doesn't? it's sour. Who who doesn't have Oblivion hiding in the back of their refrigerator? That I mean, I just forever. I mean, I guess I do. Okay, so uh, Oblivion Sower, <laughs> uh, for six mana, is an El- is an Eldrazi creature. Is a critter. Uh, it's five eight. This was this was on the in the dual decks or uh, right some of the, the upcoming dual decks. Um, what's that? Already out dual deck? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been to Target recently, so I don't know. I have, and it was there. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so when you cast Oblivion Sour, um, target opponent exiles the top four cards of his or her library, then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. Um... This include uh, so this includes lands exiled through other means. So this guy right here is going in my Una Queen of the Fae deck, cause yeah. Uh, but also for for more of standard applications. Uh, so if someone oh say cast Treasure Cruise and delves away a bunch of bunch of garbage cards from their from their graveyard like old land, uh, Oblivion Sour can just take them thank you for pronouncing it sour the second oh, time. you're welcome i know it's sour but it's fine i mean how are you gonna make that joke I mean, it's it's fine man all That's right helping you out part the water veil for you you sorcery take an extra turn after this one one exile part the water veil and has awakened six for six blue 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 because why not <laughs> so 
one thing to mention is this is one of those cards I was talking about earlier where it doesn't normally have a target, but if you awaken it, it suddenly gains a target. So you need to be careful there. Um, also, a question I've seen about this is if you use Narset to give this thing rebound, what happens? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> you make a sad face. Uh, yeah. So that's because the part the water part the water veil exiles itself as part of its own resolution before the spell would resolve and rebound would have exiled it. So rebound doesn't get get a hold of it. Sad. Yeah. Sad day. Yeah. We're on a roll. Let's keep going. All right, Rolling Thunder. <laughs> Believe is a beautiful reprint. It is a fantastic yeah. reprint. Rolling Thunder is a sorcery for XRR. Rolling Thunder deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and slash or players. Uh, so this one is is a little different from most other spells in that it actually has to divide an effect, which is something you do during the steps of casting a spell. So immediately after you would choose targets, which this doesn't have any of, but immediately... Oh, sorry, it does. It has, yeah. it has uh, any number of target creatures and players. But So you choose those targets... Um, and you have to then, in the next step, divide uh, the amount of damage that you're using. Um, so first you choose what the X is, then you choose the targets, and then you choose the amount you're dividing. And everything that you targeted has to get at least one of whatever you're dividing, in this case, damage. Um, yeah. So uh, the thing that I most expect to see people trying to do here is trying to target a Planeswalker and also the player that controls it. And that doesn't work with Rolling Thunder. Nope. All right. No pun for this one, CJ? No, not for Serpentine Spike. All right, Serpentine Man, Spike. Man, you can go to some real dark places with that. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, I was just going to go for, just, like, some just... sort of buffy, buffy joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say just spike this one yeah. in, Brown. All right. Um, so this one is five red, red for a sorcery. It is devoid. It has no color. Uh, Serpentine Spike deals. Oh, this is, this one's fun. It's like, Cone of what is it? Cone of flame only plus one plus plus. All right. Yeah. So serpentine spike deals two damage to target creature and three damage to another target creature and four damage to a third target creature. But wait, there's more. If a creature dealt damage this way, it would die this turn. Exile it instead. Uh, so it's got that that little red clause that they've been adding on to more and more cards. So first off. Um, this has to be three separate targets. Uh, you are not able to do nine damage to one creature with this thing. Um, and if one or two of the targets become illegal, the, the spell's still going to resolve. It's going to do as much as possible. So um, what happens, though, is when you when you cast the spell, you're going to specify basically that creature is going to get the two, that creature is going to get the three, that one's going to get the four, and if one of them dies in the middle, you can't be like, oh, well, hold on, hold on then, I want to change that up. Or, I'm sorry, if one of the targets becomes illegal, the creature gets removed or something like that, you can't change. The one that's getting two is still going to get two, the one that's going to get four is still going to get four, I'm assuming that the one that was going to take three got, got removed. Okay. There you go. Serpentine spike. All right. So let me vent for a second here. With Shambling Vent. It's a land. Shambling Vent enters the battlefield tapped. Add white or black to your mana pool. You have to tap it for that. And one white black Shambling Vent becomes a 2-3 white and black elemental creature with lifelink until in the turn it's still land. So there's a whole cycle of man lands in this set, of course. I mean, obviously, there would be. 
And so everything I'm about to say applies to all of them. I just chose Shambling Vent to talk about. So one thing I'd point out immediately is that this this guy, unlike Awakened cards, actually gains a color when it becomes activated. Again, this one becomes white and black. Uh, since there are cards that care about colorless creatures, you know, this could matter. If you played this land, then somehow untapped it, then activated it, I would just note that it is still affected by Summoning Sickness. But the interesting part about this card is what happens when you awaken it. So say say we have a spell with Awaken 3. And you play it, so you just have the Shambling Vent sitting there. You play the Awaken 3 spell, you target Shambling Vent. That turns the Shambling Vent into a 3-3 colorless creature. Then if you were to activate the Vent's ability it would become a 5-6 because those are 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it and the Shambling Vent becomes a 2-3 underneath those counters and so it becomes a total of 5-6 lifelink that is black and white. Um, in both cases, it's an elemental. Uh, another semi-interesting thing is if if you already had animated your man land, so it's a 2-3, then you awaken it, uh, and this is something Jess was getting at earlier too, the Awaken actually turns it back into a 0-0. Zero, zero. And so for until the end of that turn, it's actually going to be a 3-3 uh, three, three white and black elemental creature with lifelink that's still land. And then at the end of turn, it loses the color and loses lifelink. And then if you activate it again in the future, it's a 5-6. So wait, quick question. Does does uh, Awaken require a, it, the target to be a land you control? I don't remember. Yes, okay. because otherwise you would just kill your cre- your opponent's land. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Wow. Never mind. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're never getting land destruction again. No. It's... Well, there's like one card in here that's like four and a red to destroy target land. So. All right, so the next card we're going to discuss is Stasis Snare. <laughs> it costs one white white. It's an enchantment. It has flash because enchantments need flash. When Stasis Snare enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Stasis Snare leaves the battlefield. So basically, this is an Oblivion Ring with Flash that can only hit creatures. Uh, the same thing we said before about... Uh, what was the other guy that did this? The artifact? The Hedron. Yeah. Hedron. Hedron all over the place. Um, <laughs> is uh, If it leaves the battlefield before the ability resolves, the ability doesn't do anything. Uh, and similarly, and I don't think we've mentioned this before, but tokens that are exiled will be exiled forever and ever. Yeah. And ever again. And never come back. Isn't that swell? It is swell. Um, oh, hey, swell of growth. For one in a green, it's an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Uh, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So uh, this is the, the, I guess the giant growth variant for the set. Uh, it is an instant, so it lets you put a land card. So you get to you get to do that and trigger uh, your landfall. Woot! Um, Again, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, this uh, this is not playing a land, so this does not count as playing your land for turn. So you will still get uh, still get a land. Um, yeah, so it doesn't use your land drop. That's that's uh, that's it. I mean, and if you don't if you don't have a land card in your hand, well, then you don't put a land card from your hand on the battlefield. Yep. So that's the swell of growth. So I'm going to talk about what's under that. The undergrowth champion. It's <laughs> a so one. Don't laugh he's at that one. Well, like, he's not as well. Yeah, he's not as well. Swole. One green. He's a, he's an elemental two two. He says. 
If damage would be dealt to undergrowth champion while it has a plus one plus one counter on it, card. prevent that damage and remove a plus one plus one counter from undergrowth champion. This is champion. basically a phantom from like. Yeah, Gen-Trans. it is. It's a phantom. Well, bear. they got they got around the 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 phantom issue though. Where, right, like, so what, the the phantom issue where if it, if it had a buff that it just never died. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let me continue reading the card. And also has landfall no, whenever no, land. We're gonna we're gonna jump and do spoilers from uh, from judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a plus one plus one counter on undergo champion. So, so that first ability is is a replacement effect. It's not a trigger. Sometimes people confuse these for triggers. That is that is a replacement effect, which replaces the damage that would be happening and replaces it with preventing the damage and removing a plus one plus one counter. So one thing is if this creature is blocked by multiple creatures, you might think that counts as multiple damage sources, which in a way it is. But it's only being de- dealt damage once in that instance. So you're only going to lose one counter. So if this creature is blocked by 100 bear cubs, it still only loses one plus one plus one counter. If damage can't be prevented, I'm going to call back to Skullcrack again. Interestingly enough, the damage will still, or the champion will still lose a counter if it takes damage. Womp womp. Yep. So Brian just talked about that serpentine strike, which at the end says if a creature dealt damage this way, it would die this turn exile instead. If this if this undergrowth champion was dealt damage by serpentine strike and assuming it had a plus one plus one counter on it and the plus one plus one counter was removed and then something else kills it later it actually would not get exiled because the damage was prevented uh, do that's that's because of the specific wording on serpentine strike which says if a creature dealt damage this this way would die this turn exile instead the creature was not dealt damage so that that replacement effect doesn't apply however there is another card called brutal explosion which costs two Blue red instant has the void and it says choose one or both. Return target spell or creature to its owner's hand and brutal explosion deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that permanent would be put in a graveyard this turn, exiled instead. In that situation, it would be exiled because that one has a slightly different wording where it doesn't care if the damage actually gets dealt or not. It just says that permanent. Um, probably for planeswalker cases. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Aggression. I got nothing. Okay. That's unnatural of you to not have yeah. a pun at the ready. Yes. So unnatural aggression. So, um, oh. so, <laughs> um, so no, I wanted to jump in here and, and talk about um, uh, really quickly. I was trying to say that if we ever did a Kickstarter, we would have to do a, a, a from the vault judge cast that would just be spoiled like FAQ episodes for sets that that we weren't around for. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that would be a legitimate thing we could do. <laughs> Anyway, so force of nature. Uh, this card's amazing. Right, <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> just, just hyping I up think... all the really bad cards. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you miss your trigger on that one, you always just lose eight life because it has a default action. <laughs> yeah, pure lace. Oh wow, this card's so cool. You know they had to create a rule specially just to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so unnatural aggression is uh, two and a green. It's an instant, and it has no color because it is devoid of color. Hmm. It says target creature you control fights target creature and opponent controls. If the creature and opponent controls would die this turn, exile it instead. Seeing that a lot. Right? Um, If one of the two targets become illegal, then no fight happens. This is something that is found in the rules for fight. Uh, The spell still tries to do everything else that it can do, but the fighting itself does not happen. Um... so if it's your creature that becomes an illegal target, then the opponent's creature will still exile if it dies. 
And if it's the opponent's creature that becomes an illegal target, then it won't exile if it dies because it's not a legal target anymore. And it can't be affected by this spell. If the opponent's creature survives the fight and it dies later in the turn for whatever reason, then it will still be exiled. Think of- All right, well, Brian, I... Yeah, you're a veteran at life. Oh, yes. All right. Could you, could you tell us? All right, so the next card is Veteran War Leader. Uh, for one green and a white, it is a human soldier ally. Star, star. So um, it's probably going to have a characteristic defining ability. Oh, look, it does. Um, oh. What? No, I'm shocked yeah, oh, that it has a CDA. Yeah, look at that. Uh, veteran War Leader's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. So it's at least going to be a 1-1. Yeah. Um, it says tap another ally you control. Uh, and Veteran War Leader uh, gains your choice of First Strike, Vigilance, or Trample until end of turn. Now, a few things to note. Um, so his first ability, like we said, is a characteristic defining ability. It's going to function in all game zones, uh, even outside the game. Uh, when the outside the game part becomes relevant, I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but let's just say for sure. Um, let's see here. Also, the other ability, uh, it says tap another untapped ally you control. So while you can't tap Veteran War Leader itself, if you happen to cast two Veteran War Leaders at the same time, you can tap the other to give this one uh, uh, one of these abilities, which you're probably going to want to attack with it, so that'd be silly. But the point is, you can tap another ally uh, that just came into play this turn, uh, yeah, even, even though it has summoning sickness or doesn't have haste. Um, also, you don't choose what ability, uh, unlike unlike other modal effects where it's like, you know, you choose one. This one is you're going. It's going to gain your. You, gains your choice of first strike, vigilance, or trample. You don't have to choose until the ability resolves. So, Jess, yep. remember when you were in that parking lot and you were out of cash and you wanted to get out of there without paying, and so you had to just keep trying to avoid the attendant? <laughs> wow. I I do. <laughs> I do. You're having too much fun with this, aren't you? Uh, there's so many void cards in this set. So the void attendant is the next card. Thus, the avoiding the attendant joke. Uh, it costs two and a green. It is an Eldrazi processor creature for uh, that is a two three and is devoid. Surprisingly, it has an ability for one and a green. Put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. Put a one one colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. And I read that with a weird cadence, but that's okay. It has <laughs> sacrifice this creature. Add one to your mana pool. Um, Putting a card from exile into the graveyard is part of the cost of the spell. So players, oh sorry, this ability, and players can't respond to that choice. So, so they they can't stop you from moving the card if it becomes relevant. Yeah, no matter what they do, like that that's going to happen before the ability ever. Resolves. Right. All right. So this one's been making waves. The uh, void void winnower. It's a nine mana Eldrazi. It's an eleven nine says, your opponents can't cast spells with even converted mana costs. Your opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana costs. So, there's been some dispute 
Uh, so in the reminder text, it says zero is even. And this is not the first card we've had that cared about even converted mana cost. So zero has always been defined as even in Magic. But there's been some dispute about it. So I asked a level three judge and math professor. A legit math professor. A legitimate math at professor. At a college, no doubt. <laughs> at a real college. A legitimate college. Accredited even. Yes. Uh, I assume. To... to to settle this debate once and for all. So I'm going to play a little clip he, he sent us. Hi there. My name is uh, Ben McDowell. I'm a level three judge from Tampa, Florida. And as many of you know, I'm also what can be described as a basic enthusiast. And I'm here on, on behalf of, <clears throat> excuse me, as a request from CJ Schrader, the Honorable Duke Earl Roy, if you will, to discuss one of the new cards from uh, Battle for Zendikar. So there's been some debate as to whether or not zero is an even number. And as it turns out, uh, zero is in fact an even number. Zero is divisible by two, which means zero is technically an even number. So whenever your opponent plays a card that says you can't even, uh, they also mean zero. So sorry, bad beats, you know, Chrome Mox, Mox Diamond, Mox Opal, all those things. Our, uh, our shutoff, Chalice for zero, whoops, Engineer Explosives, you know, can't cast it for zero. Those tokens are going to live and live. Um, you know, bad beats, but on the other side, there's always pumpkin spice lattes. So try it with coconut milk. You uh, you won't regret it. You'll never go back. It's, it's lovely. Anyway, thanks for having me on. So I should probably <laughs> add that Ben has been sick today. So I don't know if he's like... You know, like when Brian gets up on NyQuil on a couple of episodes. <laughs> it happens. Pumpkin spice lattes with coconut milk? I don't know. Maybe it's delightful. I don't know. But the point is, he's a math professor, and he said zero is even. The end. So, let's talk a little bit more about this card. The converted mana cost of a spell almost never changes. So, let's say you had a card that had uh, a mana cost of three and a white, and it had an awakened cost of six and a white, right? Mm-hmm. The converted mana cost of that spell is always three and a white. Even if you cast it for the six and a white. It's converted mana cost is well, four. Yeah. So if if this void winner is out, you actually can't cast it for, for its awakened cost because the converted mana cost of that spell is three and a white. It doesn't matter what you actually pay. It has an even converted mana cost. Now, the one instance where that isn't true is X spells. If a spell has X in its mana cost, then... We, we take that into account for what the mana cost is. So Rolling Thunder costs X red red. You can cast Rolling Thunder for 1 damage, 3 damage, 5 damage, and so on. But you couldn't cast it for the even amounts because then you would have an even number and Void Winner would say There we no. go. Uh, our Skyrider Elf, we now have a reason to cast X for more. No, you don't. Because you always want to cast X for 3. Well, no, no, no. If, so you, if you don't have, if you only have the the four mana, uh, so it would be uh, you you'd pay an extra one to make it five. But you already want to do that so that you have a five five. No, no. no I'm saying if you're not running Wooburn, you're missing a color. Oh. You're, you're, so why are you running you're, this card? You're playing a Nephilim deck. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, on the battlefield, any creatures or permanents in general with X in their cost uh, has X equal to zero. So determine whether or not they are even or not based on that. And the converted mana cost of a morph is zero everywhere. Once again, this goes back to the it doesn't matter what you actually pay. Like playing a card face down costs three mana, but the converted mana cost of that spell is zero. 
So you could never, you could never play a card face down. Never ever? With, never ever, with this Eldrazi out. Uh, and none of your morphs can block unless you unmorph them, and they have an odd converted mana cost. So, Ooh, um, that seems awesome. Where they attack you and you and they think you can't block, but then it turns out you can block. Yeah. Also, I'm really already tired of all the 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 I can't even jokes. Can't, can't even, even yeah. jokes. I am so card. I am not tired of that yet. No? <laughs> we can keep going with that. You need to. Never mind. I'll, I'll, I say, I'll say that offline. Um, all right. I like that we started with hedrons and we're ending with hedrons. Well, there there is one one other. Not even not no. no 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 not not card but ability I wanna I wanna mention before we we move into starting on a hedron I specifically want to talk about Kiora Master of Depths Ultimate not the rest of the card I don't care about the rest of the card I just want to read about this ultimate the ultimate is for minus eight you get an emblem with quote whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control you may have it fight target creature end quote then put three eight eight blue octopus creature tokens onto the battlefield i need to clarify this is not all i mean yes this is all one ability but the getting the three dudes is not part of the trigger you you don't get that every time you don't get three creatures every time you fight you get three creatures when you get the emblem yes Right. The three dudes yeah. at the and because you get the emblem first they all get to fight but that doesn't mean every time you get a dude uh, you fight and get three more dudes which will cause this thing to trigger three more times <laughs> which causes you to get more more dudes here's a here's just a, a, a tip a hint um, if the ability seems absolutely stupidly broken read it again yeah okay all right it's a tip you cannot you cannot draw a game with one single card on its own <laughs> like that can't happen except for that tower that says draw the game when you get all the counters on it or whatever Oh, uh, Helix Pinnacle? Oh, no, 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 draw the, draw the game, draw the game, sorry. Yeah, there's one old one. That, uh, yeah. Uh, Divine Intervention. I think that's yeah. it, yeah. Oh, don't know new cards. No, those are in the mold ones. Okay, Sada, <laughs> Sada, Hedron Grinder. Uh, so apparently he uh, he travels uh, from store to store. Uh, yeah. Because he, he's just... She, I think Zada's oh, a she. she. Uh, What's well, a goblin ally? Can you Can you tell? Anyway, yes. just definitely, just you know, grinding those grinding those hedrons, hoping to get on the hedron pro tour. Um, <laughs> so for a three and a red legendary creature, goblin ally, it's three three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zada, hedron grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Oh, for love of. <laughs> give me this, this card again. <laughs> each, each copy targets a different one of those creatures. All right, I pu- I put it in this time because somebody was upset that I left Precursor Golem out of our Modern Masters. Episode. Yeah, that wasn't so here. It that is. Wasn't me though. Why are you punishing? Well, why are you punishing me for something the listener did? Well, that's how the show works. I don't know if you've been paying <laughs> yeah. attention. I, I like I like CJ's answer of Welp. <laughs> um, <laughs> deal with that. All right, so the instant or sorcery um, it has to target only Zada. No creature in a land, no creature in another creature, none of, none of that. Um, the copies are created on the stack. They are not cast. They will not trigger uh, uh, on cast. 
uh, if they are, uh, they will not. Oh, sorry, they will not trigger the uh, the when this spell is cast triggers. They won't do that. If it's got converge, uh, the copies weren't cast. No mana was spent. Womp womp there. Um, you don't get to change the modes or the number of targets for the spell. Uh, so you can't arc lightning Zada and then expect to deal two damage to each copy. Uh, uh, expect to deal two of each two of each copy uh, of the spell's damage to an opponent. Yeah, I've seen that one a lot, where they want to arc lightning Zada and then somehow change the number of targets for the the copies, but that's not how it works. And then, uh, and then, oh yes, the note here: we will entertain no questions about right of replication in this card. None. Uh, <laughs> though the answer is easy, you're going to end up with uh, with one Zada. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a question. I turn Zada into a land, and then, through whatever means, and then I target her with an Awakening spell that only targets a land. What happens? Are the copies of the Awakened spell awakened? Awoke? awoke? No, because none of the creatures you control are creatures that spell could target unless they oh they're also they're also lands what they're also what are you doing here i've done something that made all my creatures lands oh i read the text for awaken then uh we're going out with a bang this is the spell three on target land you control how did you make zada a land um i made her a sapperling and then i did Life and limb. Oh, the way you always do these things. <laughs> wow. If your question involves playing conspiracy first, I, I'm not sure. I my my question it. is really what happens when you copy a spell cast with its alternate cost. I, I doesn't. Oh well, then you, yeah, you're gonna get the, you're gonna if get, you copy an awakened. You're gonna get that. You're gonna get that little that awaken yeah. awaken sweetness. The fact that it was awakened is a copyable character. Yeah. The, the fact that the alternate cost was used yeah. is a copyable just, character. What are you doing with the making Sada creature land thing and all your other creatures land creature th- Yeah. You shut up. <laughs> all right. Speaking of shutting up, if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast or visit our website at judgecast.com or We'll get us on MTG Cast, I guess. If you search for JudgeCast, we're on there. At this point, pretty much just Google JudgeCast. You'll be fine. Just Google JudgeCast. Uh, I believe any other pretenders to the throne have been knocked off of Google by now, and so you will only find us. I, I'm going to find out right now, actually. Hold on. Yeah, I'm going right. to go find this out, too. I'm going to Google.com. I'm going to Bing. Let's find out. Nobody uses Bing. I do. I actually do. <laughs> Hipster. <laughs> I use it because I get the free points, and then I use those points. What? Of course. They have a rewards program for searching, and and CJ knows that. Are you serious? Yeah. What do you get for... Uh, Generally, I'll buy Skype credit. So the first result is our page. The second result is our Facebook page. The third result is us via MTGCast on iTunes. And then the next result is a movie called The Judge on IMDb. And then our Twitter. Ooh. And then an episode of ours, and then us on Stitcher, and then us on the Magic Judge blog. So yeah, it's just just us and a random movie called The Judge. Oh, uh, I got <laughs> uh, I got on Bing. Uh, Judgecast North comes up on the first page. Their Twitter account. Uh oh. Yeah, but that's it. And Stitcher, 
and and uh, our our spoiler is number three. Uh, oh yeah, it is. On the second page, Judge Cast number seven on GatheringMagic.com. We were on GatheringMagic.com at one point. Oh yeah, that was before us. Well, well, I mean, it's number seven, right? <laughs> yeah. They they used to they used to post on Gathering Magic, but I don't know when that stopped. All right, this is thrilling radio. <laughs> Google searches Google. the podcast. Google search. Tell me about Bing points. <laughs> I will later. Later. I'll I'll send you a referral code. I'll send anyone who emails me a referral code. I'll send everyone referral codes. All right. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you found this ex- extremely informative for your pre-releases. My name is your trade argument fair. I'm Jess Dunks, I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, I keep it awoken. So here, here's, a, here's an irrational fear my mom instilled in me when I was younger. A fear of leaving the toaster plugged in. I can't... Yeah, I, can't. I can see that. What about a toaster oven? Well, we didn't have a toaster oven when I was growing up. Oh, but, like, right now, do you have no. a toaster oven? Okay, I was just wondering if you left that uh, for oven. What about the oven? Like, would you have an yeah. electric stove? That should be the same fear. No, because I never had that fear. But, but when my mom was growing, and, and this is a fear from when my mom was a kid, uh, toasters plugged in could actually short, just sitting there on the counter could actually short out and burn the house down. Like, that was a thing when she was growing up because toasters were new, right? So, so yeah. when I was a kid, she would actually call me from work. So she'd already left for work and I'm at home getting ready for school. She'd actually call me and make me make me check to make sure that the toaster was unplugged. Hmm. And she would always tell and I'd be like, oh, this is stupid. And she's like, you don't understand. The house could burn down. And I was like, oh, well, the house could burn down. Well, and so now I'm 39 years old and I'll leave the house and I'll be like a half a mile from the house. And I'm like, did I unplug the toaster this morning? <laughs> I gotta, oh crap! I gotta turn around and go back because the house might burn down. And my daughter's Funny. like, "No, dad, dad, you don't, you don't have to." And I was like, "No, I have to." <laughs>